0: Please be seated. In the words of St. Francis of Assisi to Brother Dominic on the road to Umbria, good morning. (laughs) He actually was from southern Italy, so he said, good morning, y'all. What an honor it is to be here with you, and I want to express a word of deep thanks to Chris, who is a colleague and a friend. And it has just been amazing to watch his leadership with you and all the incredible things that you all are doing together and what a witness that is to, to the city of Dallas, but to the Episcopal Church and to the Anglican Communion. And so I thank you for this invitation. And I also want to thank uh, on this Mother's Day, Nicole, who is the real hero. Do you agree with me? in loving and supporting him and raising three kids and loving you uh, is just the one who gets all the credit. Happy Mother's Day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Who are the trusted people in your life? Who are the people that you go to when things are crazy and confusing? Who you know when you go to are going to be there and are going to be able to to provide both a sense of comfort and a sense of direction. People that you know will always walk beside you. This Mother's Day I, of course, think of my wife who has been the rock of my life. And I, can, I could go on and on about her. Frankly, I don't want to fall apart in the pulpit. But she's been, in a singular way, the greatest influence of my adult life. But I also think on this Mother's Day about my grandmother who laid a foundation for the first 30 years of my life, a foundation on which I still stand. She was from South Carolina, five foot two, a force of life. And she had this very distinct accent and she had these things that she would say, these proverbial things that honestly, it took me till I was about 33 to figure out exactly what she was saying. She would say things like, when she thought I was being taken for a fool, son, don't take any wooden nickels. And when someone was being kind and I was not being kind or appreciative of what they were doing, she'd say, never looked a gift horse in the mouth. And then when I was reluctant to do something new, to take a risk, she would say, you can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. But throughout my life, there were two things that really sank into my heart. That through all the challenges, all the ups and the downs, all the chaos, all the uncertainty, have been the guiding truths. First, she told me, Chip, I love you. And God loves you. And I want you to remember that always. She also said, Chip, you were created for a purpose. Stop thinking about yourself so much. You're not that interesting. (laughs) You're created for a purpose. And while it may take time for you to find it, if you keep listening to the good shepherd, to Jesus, he will show you the way. So I ask you again, who are the voices that you listen to who have shaped your sense of who you are? Jesus, I hope, is among those voices. Everything else is noise. And the first message is that you are loved unconditionally. Do you believe that? I mean, you hear it a lot love, 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 love. If you believe that God loves you, raise your hand. Okay? Now, if you believe that God likes you, raise your hand. Okay, we got some work to do here, right? Because love always transcends like. One of the people that taught me a lot about the depth and breadth of God's love was a man called Brennan Manning. He sort of grew up in sort of a high-achieving household, you know, kind of good on paper, right? Got to look good on paper. And there was always this sort of pressure that he had. It was a kind of conditional love. And and you and I know this great truth that CJ Young said, the greatest psychic burden on a child is the unlived life of their parents. Got to exceed them, right? Exceed that station in life and so what what sort of sort of sank in to him was this sense that he was never good enough which of course always translates into a kind of a, a, a lot of unhealthy striving maybe if I can achieve uh, success I'll, I'll finally be uh, able to love myself He even you ready for this? I mean, this is this is how this can really drive you. He joined the priesthood thinking that he would be able to earn Christ's love. One day he had just had enough, spinning his wheels, eaten up by self hatred and loathing. And he went to away on a, a silent retreat. And it was there in the silence and the beauty and the awe of that particular moment that somehow the voice of the shepherd entered right into his heart. Stop trying to prove yourself, Brennan. My love for you is unconditional. You don't have to earn it. It's called grace. It's one-way love. And this is what he wrote in response to this, to this great epiphany, to this great revelation. Are you ready for this? Some of the most powerful words that I have ever heard. He wrote, in the 48 years since I was first ambushed by Jesus in a little chapel in the Allegheny Mountains of western Pennsylvania, and after literally thousands of hours of prayer, meditation, silence, and solitude, I am now utterly convinced that on Judgment Day, the Lord Jesus is going to ask each of us one question and one question only. <laughs> Did you believe that I loved you? That I desired you? That I waited for you day after day? That I longed to hear your voice? He said the real believers will answer, yes, Jesus, I didn't always believe it, but eventually it made its way into my heart, and I began to try and live my life in response to that love. But he said many of us who are so faithful in our church going, in our practice, in our community service, we're going to say, well, frankly, sir, I never really believed it. Remember the famous line of the French philosopher Blaise Pascal God made man in his own image and man returned the compliment? (laughs) We often make God in our own image. And it turns out that he, of course he, is as fussy, rude, narrow minded, legalistic, and unforgiving as we are. He went on to write, In the past few years i've preached the gospel and to the financial community in wall street new york city the men and women in the air force academy in colorado springs i've preached in st louis seattle san diego bangor maine and honest the god of so many christians is a god that's too small for me because he's not the god of the word he's not the god revealed by and in Jesus Christ, who comes to you at this moment and says, I have a word for you. I know your whole life story. I know every skeleton in your closet. I know every sin, shame, dishonesty, and degraded love that's darkened your past. Right now, I know your shallow faith, your free prayer life, your inconsistent discipleship. And my word for you is this. I dare you to trust that I love you just as you are and not as you should be because you're never going to be as you should be. So it's time to stop shooting on yourselves. You see, when you. When you, when you really take hold of this great truth that, that God loves you and he likes you, that, that, that the greatest moment is when you wake up in the morning and God says, yes, it's a new day. It's a new day. I'm going to try to make my way into this person's heart. That's the moment that a shift happens. And all of a sudden you move from being consumed by achievement and success and worthiness to then thinking about how you can share God's unconditional love with someone else that's hurting. It always amazes me when when people move to this stage of life that we would call vocation. That moment that you say, Lord, take my life and let it be. Use me to your glory. It makes me think about St. Francis of Assisi, who, who used to kneel. And he would say, not my will, but thy will. Not my will, but thy will. Not my will, but thy will. Use me to your glory. It always just amazes me what, what people get themselves into when they're, they are sort of caught up in the power of, of sharing God's love. Last week, I went to, to D.C. To a, to a meeting at the National Cathedral, and I took an Uber, and I was I'm driving around with this Uber guy, and I'm like, uh, tell me about yourself. I mean, I love to talk to, the, to Uber drivers. Tell me about yourself. And he says, well, you know, I'm getting ready to retire. I said, really? That's wonderful. Congratulations. You know, a lifetime of, you know, doing, you know, whatever you've been doing and you, now you're, now you're going to retire. I said, what are you going to do in your retirement? He said, I'm going to drive Uber. I said, okay. It doesn't sound like retirement to me. He said, well, let me tell you. He said, when I retire, I'm going to still drive Uber, but I'm going to take everything that I make and I'm going to give it away to St. Jude's Hospital. What did Mother Teresa say? Do small things with great love. But then I think about also people that that also they dream and and, and God gives them these extraordinary visions and this energy to sort of take on the big problems of life. And I think about another person who I love so deeply who never really got retirement, but he definitely got rewirement. After a successful law practice, he went on to dedicating his life to education. And then after that, after setting up an extraordinary system that's transforming people's lives, he went on to tackle mental health. He just keeps moving on. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Take my life and use me to your glory. So I just have to say one more story about a life and a witness that meant so much to me here. A child of this parish, John Michael Teal, Mike, who committed his life to serving our nation I don't know if Madeline's here today, but I send my love to you, Madeline. He was a flight engineer assigned to the 41st Rescue Squadron. He was deployed to Afghanistan. And on March the 23rd, 2003, at age 29, Mike was killed during a mission picking up two injured Afghan children. No greater love has no one than to lay one's life down for friends. And we gathered in this holy space to celebrate his life. What an extraordinary service it was. And then we went over to Sparkman Hillcrest. And there was the honor guard, the bugle corps, and we gave this moving barrow liturgy. And just after taps and then Reveille was played, sounding the sounds of new life, something happened that I will never forget that we were not told was going to happen. Right at the time when we were about to say, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. Three F 15s flew over what seemed at tree length in missing man formation. And as they flew over the grave, they tipped their wings to salute him. And two went forward, and then one shot through the clouds, symbolizing eternal life. What a tribute! and a witness to the depth and the power of God's love, to the kind of sacrificial love that we're all called to. So, as you celebrate your 75th anniversary, I want you to know that I salute you. I salute you for being a church with a big heart that works to proclaim the depth of God's love It's the most important thing that we can do. But I also want to thank you for being the kind of place that is willing to challenge people to live a life of service, to find their purpose in life, to live for something greater than themselves, and your willingness to do so and to take on the big risks that Christ calls us to live into, not only for this parish but for the city of Dallas and for the world. And so I leave you with a benediction, which I think sums up the love and the call of the good shepherd as well as my deep love and respect for you and all my best wishes. May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May God give you the grace not to sell yourself short, the grace to risk something big for something good, the grace to remember that the world now is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. May God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts and set them on fire. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.